Hey, it's Paul. And Shamina. And welcome for another week of Head Boss in Charge. Hey. I'll go first. So, Paul, how are you bossing? Because <laughs> I knew you were trying to get it in. You're like, how are you? No. No. Okay, yeah. I'm bossing okay. You know, um, kind of been in a same old, same old type mood or uh, setup, you know, which is good. I like routine. <laughs> um, things are at work are getting busy. It is August, which is the month that we're getting ready for the school year, um, getting uh, ready for faculty to come back, which is a, a huge part of my job, just getting their contracts ready and um, making sure all the studios and the classrooms are set up. So just a lot of things going on there. Um, and yeah, I'm just trying to uh, use this time to you know, even though it's getting really busy at work, just remembering to center myself. Um, the therapy sessions are really helping um, in changing how I frame my attitude and how I frame my way of thinking. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to keep myself centered. All right. So I'll ask myself, how you boss it, Shamina? That's fine. Self-guided. Um, I'm doing all right. Um, similarly, August is busy, although the summer has not been slow by any means. So I don't know if I feel a ramp up because it's August when I would typically feel that. It just hasn't been slow at all. So I feel like uh, the essentially the semester or academic year calendar has more or less started. So it has not been slow. So I've been like jamming through, you know, 8 to 5.30, 8 to 6 or something like that every day. Um, and even spilling some work on the weekends to try to get um, some major things done. Um, in terms of life, it's been good. Um, we recently went to like the super hipster, the color factory. Have you heard of that? Oh, yeah. It's been running around. Uh, conversations about that have been running around at work. I might actually take my team to see that. Yeah. Well, oh, unless you got it inside, they're sold out. Because they added another month, and they're already sold out for September. Oh, yeah. Um, I think you're saying that fast. I'm going to see if there's a connection. Um, yeah. Um, so went to that um, not too long ago, and that was really, really fun. Um, it was just different. Um, overpriced, don't get me wrong. Um, but it was fun and different. And so now looking forward to going. I, I heard that the ice cream factory is coming up to the bay. Um, which was previously in LA. Um, and what's the premise of the ice cream factory? So it's a bunch of different rooms and it has like different ice creams, literally ice creams, or it has like, there's a room that matches like color with like cones and a scoop. Or like, I think there is perhaps like an orange room that has like pictures of orange sickles. It's really like Instagram friendly in terms of pictures and photos, but they have like ice cream in there too. So the, all the rooms are themed around like different types of ice cream, be it, sorbet be it popsicles be it um like hipster ice cream that's like got olive oil and like cracked pepper in it so yeah but it's like really colorful and there's ice cream and i love ice cream um so that has been fun and good and just um finished my third half marathon yeah. um so that was good faster than the first two not as hard as I remember because this is my second time doing this particular um, course. So that was good. 
fun, cold. I'm a little sore still, but yeah, I can't complain. I mean, I could, but then I'd just be kind of like bitchy for no reason. So yeah, yeah, things are good. Shout out to everyone. I had fun. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I'm so glad I know what that's a reference to now. Anyways. (laughs) Yeah, right. You're good for you because I haven't the slightest idea of what you're talking about. Oh, I sent you the video. Okay. Oh, you did. Yeah. You know how many videos you'd be sending me? And I'm like, (laughs) I'm in the middle of a meeting. Like, how do you have time to send this video right now? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's take a break and we'll be right back. All right, so we are back with Water Cooler Talk. And uh, Shamina, what are we going to be talking about this week? Nothing. Just kidding. So, um, don't shoot the shit. So, uh, recently I have been, the thing that's been on my mind has been, I don't even have a title for it, but just the way that I feel like in settings professionally that I've moved about my work or about like communicating with people. And me getting the feeling that, ascent, I'm trying to doctor this up, fuck that, that people find me and or my personal, personality intimidating. So I recently was in a space, and I totally shared this with um, my supervisor, because I was like, well, what, like, what is it? Um, someone was, there was some feedback that I needed to be given, which is fine. Okay. I wasn't, like, when I got the feedback, I wasn't surprised. Um, cause I was, I already knew I tried to like preempt those things and share like, Hey, this is a struggle point that I'm working on. Or like, this is a list of people who I've pissed off this week that you should know about so that you're not surprised. Um, and I got some feedback that it seemed like the person who delivered the feedback was not connected to the issue at all. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And I, I don't want to go into too specific, but I was like, so I finally was like, is there a reason why you gave me this feedback and like X, Y, and Z person didn't? And there wasn't really a reason or rationale that made sense to me. So I was like, okay, whatever. And then I started to think the group that is, the group of the person that's working with this feedback um, doesn't know me very well, which, okay, fine. This is not a way to get to know me to like circumvent feedback through another avenue. Um, uh, and is a, from my vantage point and my viewpoint, a kind of quieter white person. And so then it got me to thinking like, and there's been the whole, you know, this country, we're, we're all going to die. So that's beside the point, but <laughs> like <laughs> shit's on fire, which we'll get to in the head boss has bitch shit. Um, I was thinking like, what is it about me or the way that I present myself that seems to be intimidating for other people? Because I don't find myself to be intimidating. Um, I so there's certainly things that I'm aware of about my personality and how I may come off and like how people might perceive me. I don't have all of those details, but I was like, well, what is that about? And then the narrative came in my head around like, is my blackness, does my blackness have something to do with that? You know what I mean? Um, and kind of rolling into the angry black woman. Like if we give her this feedback, she's going to be mad or upset or she's going to yell. First of all, I have never yelled at work. Literally, I can say that I've never yelled at work. Um, much like I don't run at work. Um, so I was like, is that layer being placed on me without somebody knowing who I am? Um, or what's the narrative around that? So 
that's kind of what sparked and it's been on my mind like super heavy lately. So uh, in that sense, I found an article that I like just to talk about. So 13 signs, you have a strong personality that might scare some people. Uh, insert the word intimidate some people as opposed to scare. Um, so we're going to go through a few of these and then love to hear your thoughts if you see yourself in any of those or like just generally what your thoughts are. Sure. Uh, and I'm not going to read all 13 because I would take all damn day. So I'll selectively go through and pick ones that seem to be meaningful. Um, so the first one is uh, one of the things that might intimidate you, intimidate other people about you. You are opinionated and convincing, but not arrogant. Opinionated and convincing, but not arrogant. Yeah. That sounds like a positive trait. Okay. <laughs> All of these are going to be like, this sounds great. Like, yeah, I like, wouldn't I want to be this? <laughs> uh, so um, I, I can, I, I guess I can speak for myself in terms of if I see myself fitting in that. Um, mm -hmm. In general, I don't think people, I hope people don't see me as intimidating. Um, I think people make a lot of, uh, assumptions, maybe if they see me in a distance and they haven't having taken the chance to say hi to me or talk to me and they're just making judgments on uh, who I am. Um, but I, I would say, you know, just skipping to this first point, I would say in meetings, um, I've definitely gotten feedback on um, my way of delivering information or opinions in a very, uh, uh, I guess, brief but very poignant way. Um, and get, getting that feedback, I've taken that with me and, um, I always chime in when necessary. I only make points when no one has said anything. Um, I take it a point to listen, mm -hmm. um, before speaking. And so, but I think sometimes if I listen too much, people are wondering, what is he thinking? What is he going to say? <laughs> um, and that sometimes might be intimidating to people when I don't have anything to say. And I have been, usually after people know me for a while, they're like, oh my gosh, when I first met you, I thought you were so intimidating. And I'm like, what, the, what does that even mean? Um, and no one has been brave enough to say what that actually means, but that's okay. Um, but I do consider myself to be opinionated. I don't know about convincing, um, but I think there's something about when you're sure of something or you're willing to put your thoughts or opinions out in the universe and see how people respond. I think people are like, oh, wow, like she's got a really strong viewpoint on that. And I'm like, no, sometimes I'm thinking out loud. Like I'm sussing through an idea and I want like some sort of an exchange or this is what I think and believe based on my like lived experience. And so if that turns to be opinionated, um, then, okay, then so be it, it's opinionated. The other part of that is that I don't know that I'm easily swayed one way or the other when someone, maybe who has some clout or legitimacy, says something. I'm not super easily swayed because I need to think about it. So I'm, I don't do, tend to do the like, oh, that makes sense, I immediately agree. I'm like, well, no, let me think about that like through my lens as opposed to through your lens, insert your identity who is different than mine and how you see the world and experience it. Those things are different. Mm. So, the convincing uh, word in that uh, that first bullet point you gave, uh, being the ability to be persuasive, is 
a challenge, especially uh, depending on the group of people you may be with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for example, in, you know, I work with a lot of cooks in the kitchen. So I'm at a table where everyone's a leader at some, at some capacity. So when everyone's giving their pros and cons to whatever we're debating, um, it's hard to persuade people because they might be really stuck on their viewpoint um, mm-hmm. of their access and power. Um, so, you know, I'm in the room with a lot of men and a lot of white people. So mm. um, everyone's, you know, going to think their viewpoint is the right viewpoint. Uh, people will always say really strong statements, but that, that side of uh, whether you can persuade someone or not, I'm still working on that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can always make strong points, but uh, I think... Uh, when white men talk to white men, they can easily get persuaded, mm-hmm. right? Versus a black man talking to a white man. They're, they'll consider the viewpoint, but I'll have to whisper to someone else to say it for me. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, that's not even a joke. Because I've certainly been in settings where I've said something and then insert white person to my left or the right or across the room even, and they say the same thing. And somebody's like, oh yeah, I never thought about it like that. And I'll be like, I legitimately just said those exact same words in that order with that same tone. Why did you not hear me? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. That ooh, that don't even get me started on that because then I just I just got frustrated all over again. Um, but you know what's funny when people are saying they say like they're trying to be convincing. So let's say you're in a meeting and people are trying to convince you to like get on their side and on their you know on their their um, perspective or uh, see their perspective, and you're just like. Maybe you need more time, but they're trying so hard. And it's like, they need you to be convinced in that moment and they won't let it go. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and I want to be like, dude, I'm not, I'm not saying no. I'm saying I need some time to think about it, to formulate my own opinion. I'm not just going to go because everybody else is going along with that. So chill out. Like I'm not pressed because I don't, I don't need you to agree with me on all things. We can see things differently. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just thought of this funny image of this. It's just someone like following you everywhere in the office. Just like, hey, so <laughs> now you're in the break room drinking coffee. Like they just pop up. <laughs> trying to eat right? lunch, like, quietly by yourself in the park. They pop up. About that thing. Do you have a chance to think about it? No, because you've been in my face the whole time asking me. Damn. Um, let's see. Uh, the second one. Uh, that, what is this, the title of this? Uh, 13 signs that people, basically people might be intimidated about you. You're decisive. Mm. So which, which kind of plays into that last one of like being like, well, I need some time to like formulate my thoughts and think about like where I stand on something. But yeah, mm. I think there's also this, I I feel like I've experienced a misconception around like being decisive as though like I don't, like once I decide something, it is final and through. Thus, I can't change my mind on it. Because I can be decisive in the moment and then hear everybody's like argument or viewpoint or whatever, and then change my mind. And be like, okay, that makes sense. Like maybe not all of it, but I can, I can see the nuances of, you know, X, Y, and Z. I think people, at least for me, I think there's a pressure to stick with your first opinion or first oh, opinion, yeah. right? It's, I, I sometimes guilt trip myself for like, oh man, I changed my mind. I'm not, 
um, steadfast. I'm not uh, sticking to what I believe in. But over time, I've, I've, I think what people admire about a leader is their uh, uh, humility and just, yes, I can change my mind. I'm a grown ass adult. I can change my mind. Because mm-hmm. um, if you, you know, present me the options and present me both sides, of course, I'm, I'm going to um, consider and possibly change my decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that with my team all the time. Um, I think people can respect, well, some people, not everyone, some people could respect uh, impulse decisions that seem to have enough context uh, and uh, evidence mm-hmm. right, to support the decision. Uh, but I think people really admire folks who can uh, mold the decision, hear people out, and be flexible. I don't think it's a sign of weakness. But in the patriarchal leadership type uh, world that we live in, I think for men, especially that um, that feeling of oh, this is weak, um, it, it's come. It's an internal. It's a ter- internal thing that you know they're circulating for themselves. I don't think it's a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a sign. It's a human. It's a human sign that shows that you're able to listen to other people. Mm-hmm. I would agree uh, wholly. I am a um, uh, a person who, like, I will make a decision in the moment, and then maybe, like, a few days later, a week later, or maybe have, once I have some evidence and experience, like, that I live as opposed to, like, what other people live or see, then I'm like, okay, I've had a chance to think about it or see it play out, and so let's maybe flip it like this, or maybe let's keep it the same because it's actually working the way that I envisioned it to work or it's giving the outcome that I, I want it to give. And I had hoped for, um, but yeah, I am a, I can change my mind when I want to. And I can just as easily not change my mind and be like, okay, no, we're sticking with what I originally thought, or I am sticking with what I originally thought. And we're going to move on from here. He should call said it best. I changed my oh, stop, mind. Stop. I, I love old Keisha Cole. Right? I don't know what she's, I don't know what she's about right now. Um, yeah, on, on that love and hip hop Hollywood life. Yeah, which I don't even know about because I just watched somebody on Instagram give the highlights of it. So, um, <laughs> other than that, I'm like, I don't know what channel it comes on, but whatever. Or app. Anywho, um, number three in the signs of that uh, ways that people might see you as intimidating, you are led by reason more than emotion. Mm. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's a true <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Oh, shoot. Uh, yeah, people may find that intimidating, but also, you know, I think with a lot of these, uh, you also have to think about the personality type of the person receiving mm-hmm. <laughs> information. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, oftentimes when we talk, we'll say, you know, work is work. I'm going to, you know, let's um, not, well, at least this is what we say a lot of the times that where I work is work is work. Let's not... Um, convolute what we're doing with either emotions or personal vendettas because it's not about that it's about the work we're here for our students we're here for our faculty um but obviously i think in education especially or a nonprofit world it's hard to remove those emotions or Mm -hmm. components and i've learned over time going back to humility that uh showing emotion gets you um you know, it goes a long way, especially with your direct reports who um, are looking to see, maybe not uh, 
entirely you making decisions based on just emotions, but mm-hmm. uh, they want to hear that human that yeah. inside. It's that that's that human capital or um, human currency that as as a leader you need that to be supported. Mm-hmm. You're, if you don't have anyone supporting you, you're not leading the organization anywhere. No. So well, I think. When you say that it's it's um, the like the relatability factor has to be there when you are making decisions when you're leading a team, um, and I know I have to consciously think about that. Um, not that I'm a robot and I'm like all all things void of emotion, but I have to be like, okay, well, how are people going to feel about this decision um, based on what I know about that individual and the impact that this decision or uh, this conversation is going to go? So. It's, it is, and I think a lot of, lots of fields, and I can't obviously speak for all of them, but if I speak about like higher ed nonprofit, like people got into this, I think to a large degree based on their experience, how their experience as a student made them feel in some capacity or another, they have chosen to do this work and they are, there are elements of feel, feelings in them, if that makes sense. Um, maybe not their own feelings of how they received or maybe how they, they saw somebody else treated um, or what they heard from other people and how they felt and they wanted to quote unquote write that wrong or do it better than they received or that they saw happening. Um, but yeah, it, it is a, it's a tough world to be in where you don't necessarily, in my opinion, obviously, um, you don't lead by emotion. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I will, I always try to find the balance in my decisions, but it's annoying sometimes to always have to, uh, there's this human, impacts of how people are going to feel. Yeah. And it, sometimes it adds three extra steps in my yeah. change management process. Oh my God. Cause you have to like check in, you want to get buy-in and like talk to the right, the right people, the like, the movers of the shakers in your team or organization so that you have buy-in. And I'm like, this is just what we're going to do. Like, (laughs) We can talk all day about it, but at the end of the day, we're still going to do this. Right. But I mean, (laughs) in hindsight, I always see the benefit of it. I'm very thankful. This is why we don't work alone. I'm thankful for the checks and balances that I have around myself because they will remind me of, oh, remember, add this extra step. You got to make sure... Uh, you get the buy-in or, you know, people feel okay. And mm-hmm. uh, there was one decision I made recently. It took all summer to implement, but um, because of the, um, really the impact, instead of just sending an email with the final update. Yes. Okay. I called, I called yeah. every single person for like a 15 minute brief just to, so they could see how they fit within the change and to add that personal side. And then I waited a couple days and then I sent the email, the very formal, impersonal email with the update on the change. I think we talked about this when we got together recently, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those things go a long way, but they are, there's an, uh, dare I say, an emotional text that comes with that shit. It's like, you got to wait it out and be like, let me let people have a, a chance to be heard and so that they can hear the thing before it comes out formally. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many times where I'm like, just send the message, but right. I get the the need. Uh, it's almost like a need or a requirement to do that if you want folks to eventually get on board. They may not like it, but they certainly appreciate the the forethought of having a conversation about it. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to think. Of, I think my 
I'll talk about decision making a little later because anywho decisions um let's see maybe let's try one or two more so um 13 things that might uh be intimidating about you to other people you're not overly concerned with pleasing others (laughs) (laughs) we were both like that is an accurate statement yeah that Um, is accurate and you know i want to preface this too with i don't think all of these are they can be implied uh, or Mm -hmm. inferred from my blackness yes um if people don't really know me but at the same time it's like there's a little bit of truth to this (laughs) yeah i would say there's probably for me a little bit more than a little bit of truth let's not confuse this with i don't care about other people but it's the not overly concerned with pleasing other people i want to make that very clear distinction about care versus pleasing other people here's my thing i think i constantly have to use energy um uh, because i'm aware of these things i have to spend a lot of time providing context or prefacing my statements or my decisions and with this um i always have to remind folks i am coordinating conversations amongst a group of 20 people in our decision, in our division, 20 leaders. And I always have to remind folks, not, not everyone's going to be happy. Like just know mm-hmm. that I'm pulling and I'm listening to everyone in all our meetings, but know that when I make this decision, I'm making a decision based on what's the greater imp- uh, percentage of impact, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or what's going to, uh, or what's negatively, what decision's going to lead to a lesser negative impact, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I can't, I can't please everyone. And so yeah. um, I constantly have to say that because I know people are going to get upset. And mind you, uh, prefacing all of that doesn't prevent anyone from sharing how upset they are. But I uh-huh. still feel a little bit better by reminding folks, this is the the position that I'm in. And I think sometimes they'll remember that and they'll have sympathy, but or empathy, I mean, uh, but more often than not, they they just are in their bubble and they're just thinking, but my department's still gonna suffer from your decision. Mm-hmm. It's like me, so like, it's still me. Like, you're saying is this gonna have a direct impact on me. Mind you, it's not gonna change your check or your benefits. So let's get down to the brass tacks of this. Um, this one is super, the, I saw this was interesting under this one. So it's, you're not overly concerned with pleasing others. Uh, Let's see. The first sentence is, rather than try to keep everyone on your side, you aren't afraid to ruffle a few feathers if it means being your real self. Um, What is your real self? I don't know, but that's beside the point. Um, I have found this one interesting because I I get asked questions um, or my thoughts or opinions by people who are, you know, various levels like above me in the organization um, because I am okay with saying like, Mm, that doesn't make sense or like no I don't agree with that and this is kind of the stand, the vision that I see coming from my perspective of why I don't agree with that I can also be a pretty quick thinker so usually if something comes up I can think through like three or four points immediately why it's like yay or like mm, think about this more um, but I do get like asked about things that and I think people are expecting me to be critical which is fine because I will be as critical of, as I am of myself like if you're coming to me and you're like, mm, what do you actually think about this? Um, I remember an occasion where um, my vice president was asking something over email and she's like, I just want to make sure that everyone's on board. And I was like, actually, no, I don't agree with that. And these are like 
three like solid concrete like you know experiences that I have had in the very recent past that that give me pause about agreeing to do this or go about it in this way and so like offline she emailed oh no maybe I was walking by her office and she's like I really appreciate that she brought that in because it made me think about it a little differently rather than making this decision kind of for the whole let's think a little uh, let's think in a nuanced way about like the people who are impacted by this and what has their experience been as opposed to like the top. So, and I feel like when people come to me for those kinds of questions, I'm like, okay, they realize I'm not just in it to like be a yes person, which I have a difficulty with anyway. Um, people who are yes people all the time. I'm not saying like be an asshole about it and like everything's a question, but yeah, I think folks who, when you get those questions and people start to come to you, it's, it's a valuable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels nice to be, you know, in that space. Um, so there's certainly some feel good from there. I don't think I'm at that point in my career where I am comfortable with ruffling feathers and <clears throat> being myself, whatever that means. That's yeah. Right. Uh, I still worry about my image, not to a point where it's consuming, um, my energy, but, I, I'm really only comfortable doing that with my supervisor, which is really good. I Mm -hmm. can be really frank with her. uh, And I use that as my way of, uh, I guess, therapy and just thinking through things. And based on her, her response, uh, it usually guides me on where to go next and how to appropriately um, uh, ruffle the feathers, if you will, without Mm -hmm. uh, tainting my image. Yeah. Well, I think when you ruffle feathers, if you will, I don't even like that phrase, but I don't have another one to interchange <laughs> with it. There has to be a trust there that you have with the people who are asking you for your like honest opinion, that they are not going to hold that, whatever that opinion is against you. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know that I go into an organization like day three of working there and being like, well, this is all the shit that needs to change. And like, you asked my opinion and I know I just got here. Oh my gosh, I've seen someone like that, literally. Yeah, me too. They, job. Oof. Um, they needed more help than was probably available at the organization at the time. Um, but I think that that particular piece takes trust in um, the leadership that you work with, that they are not going to hold that against you and that then you're not going to have this like scarlet letter on your, you know, your door, your workstation, whatever that says this person always is trying to book the system for no reason. Right. So, but yeah, I can see how it takes time to get there, like to the, the higher levels of the organization. Um, so yeah. Um, let's see. Last one. Um, you, let's just go with this one. You are very goal oriented and that can be intimidating to people. So really, I don't, I don't fully get a that. A lot of these are such positive. I don't understand. Yes, yes. Well, you know what? Low key. We are both a number of these things. Like I believe that we're probably both very goal oriented. So we're like, this is intimidating. What the hell? But <laughs> people who put like their goals or intentions out there to do something and then do them. But like you put, not that you like send out a newsletter every month or whatever, and like these are the goals for the month of September. Right. Um, and you like kiss ass and show everybody. But I think when people see you doing things and accomplishing things and like being like, we're going to work on this and then you do it and then it is complete or it's the system has been implemented. I think that can be um, intimidating for people. 
I don't, it makes sense and it doesn't make sense at all. Cause I'm like, that's what yeah. you're supposed to do. Like, <laughs> I, see, I see a lot of, uh, I mean, it's a two way street and I see, I can see the possibility of projection, people pro- projecting their inability to, uh, reach certain expectations or re, uh, maybe acquire some traits that they admire. And so mm-hmm. project that on the person they're admiring and it comes off as intimidating. So maybe it's not negative intimidation, uh, but it's positive intimidation. I don't know if that's a thing, but I can, I, <laughs> I can uh, pick on a couple people in my professional career right now where I found them intimidating because there was something about them that I actually really wanted to live up to and um, aspire mm. to be. So it was, it, the intimidation was actually a positive influence on me. Do you, feel, do you feel like it's kind of like they are maybe like subtly challenging you to be a, your better like professional self by like the fact that they're out there and they're accomplishing and they're doing these things and you're like, I want to have that I don't even want to call it drive, but like I want to have that drive or tenacity to like put things out there, say that I'm going to do things and then follow through and like be specific about what my goals are and communicating when those have been accomplished and achieved. For one of them, I think definitely it was intentional on their part. They were definitely trying to push me and challenge me. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the other person, it wasn't intentional. I think that's just the energy and the vibe that they give off. And I think that takes a really good, for the person who does this intentionally, I think that uh, it's a hard thing to do. And I respect that if, if they are that aware of themselves mm-hmm. uh, and know possibly the repercussions of folks that may not be able to receive it the way they want to receive it. Mm-hmm. Then I, I'm like, yeah, go you. Um, yeah. Well, I, I almost want to be around people who are goal oriented because that whole is a proverb insert country african spanish i don't know um like iron sharpens iron like uh, yeah I, I want to be around people who like we are sharp like when i see you i want to do better work i want to like achieve and move our organization or the impact that we have on students in a different way like my office the person who's in the office next door to me like I see the work that she does and the conversations um, that she has. And she's like hella down to earth. Like shout out to Arlene. Like she like the way that she talks to students and she's like from Long Beach. Um, She identifies as a part of the AAPI community. And the way that she talks and has conversations with our students on campus, I'm like, yes. And she motivates me to want to like, I, she can have real talk with with students and individuals in a different way than I can because I can impact their student status and she's trying to work to develop them in a different way, although we're both working towards the development. The perceptions of our office and our work are different. But like I love the things that she is doing and the way that she um is like marking off goals and like, you know, communicating with students and sharing like how do we all get to be a part of this? Um so I feel like she sharpens me like as much as hopefully I sharpen her, but I'm, I'm paying attention to that. And I'm like, yeah, this is the kind of impact like we should all be striving to do minus all the like minutia of administrivia and paperwork and all that. Like, this is what we're here for. I'm not here to push papers. Mm-hmm. I'm here to make an impact. And so in that, I see that as a good thing. I'm like, yes, be goal oriented, share your goals. And like, 
because you're inherently driving me and pushing me to start to make sure that I'm establishing my goals and have timelines and can commit to finishing those. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, goal setting is, you know, at least on the student affairs side, it's a very common thing. And I think we're both privileged to have that process nurtured in our, uh, throughout our uh, professional careers. Mm-hmm. Now that I've switched over to the academic side of the house, there are some things that I've implemented or kind of just encouraged, um, even if there, I've seen, seen evidence of bare bones of this process or bare bones, yeah, bare bones um, process of this. But um, I think uh, what people don't know or what people find as foreign, that's intimidating. So mm-hmm. when they actually have a leader that's actually maybe not even implementing the goals, but actually checking in and following through, that can be really intimidating because they're like, oh, no one has ever done this for us in the past. Oh, my God. Um, and you're being really consistent with this. I, I appreciate it. But it's also a little intimidating because uh, now we actually might be able to get somewhere we've never been able to get to before. Mm-hmm. Rather than just going along with the status quo of like, we always done this. This is how it always happens every year. And I'm like, just because it happens like this every year doesn't mean it's moving us forward. Like, right. we're just keeping the lights on and people in classes and there's more to our work than that. So, yeah. Of course, there's like seven or eight more of these. And I'm like, I want to go through all of them. But I digress. I guess as a kind of a a wrap up to the conversation, is there, for people who don't know you, um, whether that's socially or professionally, and I think both of us are, we can kind of pick up on some of the assumptions that people might make of us because of our skin tone or Mm -hmm. our gender, but what would be uh, a piece of advice or some tips you would give to folks on um, how how to, I guess, interpret or get to know you um, in a, either a professional or social setting? Don't. I'm sweating. <laughs> That's the easy one. Um, I would say come up and talk to me. Like, I am, and people should know, like, I am an introvert for the most part. Um, I have a personality, clearly. But, like, I like doing things by myself. I like, I don't necessarily need or prefer quiet, but I don't need the hubbub and the energy of, like, all this conversation where we're talking about a bunch of bullshit or, like, um, I don't like small talk. So come, and if you want to talk, let's talk about something meaningful, you know, and try to think of ways to engage the conversation. And it doesn't matter if it's about work, the professional stuff, or this, but come with something to talk about so we're not just standing there awkwardly. I do this, like, if I want to meet somebody, um, professionally, of course, or if I think, like, oh, this person might be a new friend, I am, we can call it nerdy, but I'm like, what are three questions I can come with in case the first question bombs or that the conversation doesn't get off the ground? Um, so for me, I, I keep those things in the back of my mind. I try to switch up the questions, you know, um, but be willing to take the risk. I have developed some of my most meaningful uh, work relationships and friendships because like, I saw people doing things that I appreciated and valued. And I was like, well, the worst they're going to say is like, no, I don't want to talk to you. Or the worst that they're going to do is like not respond to my email. And I will get over both of those things. And I have. Um, but I think about the folks who are either my friends or mentors. It was either me taking the step well, it was, for the most part, for my mentors, it's me taking the step to say, 
hi, I really liked like your presentation or I appreciate what, what you've done. Like I'm really interested in X, Y, and Z. Would love if you would be open to like grabbing a cup of coffee, which I don't even drink. I always have water when these conversations come up. <laughs> but coffee sounds so like regular. Um, <laughs> and what did you say? We talked about this before. <laughs> yeah, I'm like Ooh, coffee, um, aka water, maybe maybe warm water. Um, and then those people have, I think, with exception to one, everyone has said yes. Some of those have sustained over time, but. Just being genuine and like walking up and say, hey, I really want to get to know you. I appreciate either the work that you do or like what you said in this meeting if I don't work with you on a regular and then see where that goes. Mm. Um, so I think it's a risk, but I think you keep doing it and it becomes a far more calculated risk and you start right. to pay attention to and surround yourself with people who are about something, either personally or professionally. And like, your values can start to align with those people or they don't. And then those just fizzle away pretty easily. So same question for you. So I, for me, when I give an opinion or a decision, I would like folks to, you know, as they would do with anyone else is sit with it, think about it, and give give me a chance, or and just give me a chance to validate what I just said. Um, and so, basically, what I'm referring to is, I think a lot of folks will not find not a lot, but some folks will not find what I say uh, is valid, or because because maybe they have that subconscious thought of uh, he's a black man. I'm not going to trust what he says as much as another person. Mm. Going back to that example, your white colleague will say the same exact thing and they'll be, oh yeah, like, I like that. Let's go with that. So knowing that there might be some of that uh, subconscious behavior just embedded mm -hmm. is just to take the time to listen, um, evaluate. Um, and, you know, as you would do with any of my other colleagues, uh, before being so quick to respond, uh, because hey, you're, if a white colleague says it, you actually might agree agree with or be very quick to agree. Mm -hmm. I co-sign on that. All right, so that ends water cooler talk. We're going to take a much needed break, and we'll be right back. And I have a question from a listener. Um, we'll name him Stuart. Okay. <laughs> and Stuart asks, is it possible to be petty but professional at the same time? Or, or once you're petty, then you're just petty. And there's a little bit of context. And he says... I asked this question because there was a situation at work where I could have just left it, uh, left it alone or just let it go, but I want to get the last word in. <laughs> okay, so I think, I don't know that there's a, a definitive either way. I think, um, I think there is a way to be professional and petty and not lose like clout or credibility. Um, but I also, at the same time, I also think there's a, like, if you do it poorly, 
then you lose credibility. Like people will then see you as a kind of like a, a bit of a petty bitch, if you will. Like, I don't know Stuart clearly. So, um, but I think there's certainly way to do it. Um, but you've got to think of number one, why are you doing it? Why do you need, why did you need to have the last word? Um, what do you gain from doing that besides perhaps an internal like haha or a story to tell afterward? Um, but you really have to weigh out like, where is this going to get me in the long run? Like, is this going to make my uh, working relationship with this person or this group more difficult for the future? And is that, is that what you want? Um, or do you just let, you know, dumb people be dumb people and say, you know, kind of live in their own stupidity? And sometimes I found that that's the, like, and I have lots of opportunities to say things that are petty or shady, um, but I really have to weigh, like, what am I getting out of this? Because um, real talk, they're probably not even going to know that you were petty. Like, sometimes those people, like, they're just aloof and they don't get it. They'll be like, hmm, what was that? I just, okay. And then you will have wasted a good, like, side comment on people who don't value like petty or shadiness. Um, but I think you really have to weigh like, where does it get you in the end? And a friend of mine always says like, is it better to be right or to be happy? Mm. Like, do you need to be right at the end of whatever conversation um, that you're having where you could be petty or do you just need to be happy and move on? And does, does what you're being petty about, does it advance the conversation, the project, the relationship? And if not, then why are you doing it? So I like that. That's a really good response. Uh, to add to that, I mean, I do support that it is possibly <laughs> professional and petty. <laughs> um, I think uh, there have been moments, at least for myself, where, um, but it takes a really long time to get here. Like, it took me two years to be comfortable to throw professional shade, if you will, um, mm. both verbally in person as well as over email, where I, I feel like I need to collect you. And I do think of the question, is this worth my time? What's the impact? And uh, with this specific example I'm thinking of is I'm seeing a repeated behavior by this individual. And right now, this is an individual who's uh, kind of my equal. Um, and when uh, this repeated negative behavior is negatively impacting our colleagues. Mm -hmm. And I have to continue to work with you and I need to be happy. You know, me being happy at work is actually going to help us all um, work further. I need to collect you and I, no one else is doing it. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to let you know what you're doing. Um, give that professional shade um, and see how we can move past this and, continue some positive behavior. Um, but there have been moments where I have let um, <clears throat> minuscule things kind of just bother me and I have to stop, step back, let me maybe go on to something else and I'll come back to it. And if I still feel the need to be petty and professional at the same time, then I'll proceed. But often, more often than not, if I take a break from writing that email really quick mm -hmm. um, and I'll come back to them like, oh, I don't need to send this email or I don't need to tell this person anything. It was just my own uh, negative uh, insight into the situation. Yeah. When you said that the, um, the last part you said, um, what did you say? I was listening. So hmm. you said the kind of, you send the email or not. I tend to caution folks about writing like, 
snarky or sharp emails um, because you, you're not able to, well, unless you have like a delay send on your email, which I do, um, you're not always able to get that back. So what I have done, if, if I feel like, like, like I need to get somebody together or to say something in response to something, I may email and say, thank you, even though I don't fully mean thank you, but whatever, it sounds polite to say thank you. Um, I've got some concerns about the following things. Uh, perhaps this conversation would be better had in person. Can we set up, can I use the schedule assist to set up a time, you know, 15 or 20 minutes for us to talk? Because um, I've expressed that there's a concern, but I haven't publicly like read you for filth in, that you could forward to somebody else saying like I was bullying or I was mean or something like that. Because um, people will draw at all those straws anytime that they get a chance to and, you know, use those inflammatory words. And you're like, that doesn't fit the definition of like bullying or X, Y, and Z. That's so, true. I might state the three, two or three bullet points of my concern and then invite an in-person conversation. Um, usually I found that when you invite the in-person conversation, their whole attitude changes because they were hiding behind a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, no, very valid, valid to consider. Um, so thank you, Stuart. I hope you got something out of it. And um, I hope at the end of the day, you just let it go and you're mm -hmm. fine with it. So. Yeah. Or if you do it, do it in person, not over email. True. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that ends our segment, Ask a Boss. Uh, Bosk. <laughs> Ask a Boss. <laughs> a Okay, who are you, Chrisette Michelle? Okay, with that skirt, anyway. <laughs> okay, remember, Cheers. send your questions to headbosspodcast at gmail.com, and we'll be right back. Okay, and we are back for our last segment, Boss Ass Bitch or Bitch Ass Boss of the Week. <laughs> Shavita, stop mocking my <laughs> for this segment. I am just joining in on the fun. You say it with right. enthusiasm, so I am so, just trying to mirror that. <laughs> Why don't you go first? What do you got? All right. So I have a bunch of bitches this week. Um, so um, I think they're relatively short, but we shall see. Um, the first one, and this is fairly recent, um, Lil Duval. First of all, I'm tired of people calling themselves Lil. Because what is Lil? When are we going to retire the little thing? Like I was like, let's not do this. Like so long. And it's not even children. These are like folks who are of grown age, like 18 and above, being Lil something something. And I was like, didn't we learn a lesson when Bow Wow changed from Lil Wow to j Lil Bow Wow to just Bow Wow? Right. Anywho. So... Um, this comedian, Lil Duval, was on The Breakfast Club um, not too long ago, uh, maybe the very end of July. <clears throat> and um, one of the things that he says, first of all, I don't watch The Breakfast Club with any sort of regularity. Um, so let me just say that uh, because I feel like I'll have to go find it somewhere and I'm not going to do that. Um, and I don't know this Lil Duval as a comedian either. It just says comedian. Uh, but basically, uh, they were talking about um, um, sex and if Lil Duval had been in a situation where um, if he was with someone and that person, like, revealed that they were transgender. 
And he was basically like, well, then I'd have to kill that person. Um, and I don't even know if he said him. He was all sorts of shitty and messy with um, pronouns and whatnot, because clearly he doesn't care. Um, but he was basically like, I would kill them for misrepresenting who they were. Um, and there was another part in there, and I'm giving the very short version. Um, we'll get this in the show notes so you can check the, check out the link. Um, and what I'm reading for is from is the Washington Post. Um, and another one, uh, Janet Mock um, was on the show maybe a week or so before, or within a two-week span before this little Duval person was on there. Um, and was promoting her recent, most recent book, whose name I cannot recall. Um, but yeah, what's her name? The name Janet of her Mock. most recent book? Or the name of her most recent book? Oh, it's a long title. I don't remember. Okay. Um, so anyway, she's got a recent book out. Shout out to her and her podcast. Um, but I guess either Charlemagne or the other person who is on there uh, showed a cover of uh, the book. And I don't know if it was the front or the back, but Janet Marcus, her picture is on the um, either the front or the back. And they showed it to little Duvall. And he was like, first he was like trying to kind of like elude the question because they were like, ain't she fine or whatever. And Lil Duval's response was, um, and I quote, cause I don't use this word a ton, a ton um, that nigga doing his thing. That was the response that he said to that. And so it has been, so first of all, bitch to him, just period for being rude, not respecting someone who they are. Uh, not giving a damn about someone's gender pronouns and um, resorting to like, I would kill somebody if they show, told me who they were. That's basically what it is. Like if you tell me who you are after we've gotten to know each other on whatever capacity, physical or not, like the end result is that I'm going to kill you. So bitch to him and low key bitch to unfortunately like the breakfast club, which has Angela Yee on it. And from what the small bits that I've heard and read, like, she didn't do anything to kind of like express her voice or her opinion. Um, so that, that was disappointing. Um, but the folks on the show were also like, well, we can't like, what are we supposed to do? Not have people on the show because we don't know what they're going to say. But like nobody's saying that, but you could interrupt the, the dialogue of the narrative that this person is pushing out there about killing people, not like terrible to kill anybody, period. Um, so interrupt the, the the dialogue, the narrative, like not invite that person back or like not air that episode because they're out here pushing this. Like you should kill people if they don't tell you who they are. I'm giving it the most simple version, but again, we'll put the, the link in the notes, but like um, bitch to him for that. Um, so there's that one. My second one, we talked a little bit about this earlier about decision-making. So this is, um, I need folks to know generally, like there are, I, from my vantage point, I think about three ways that one can just interpret decision-making one that you will be included and allowed to have input on the decision. Right. And you'll have a say in it and then someone will do something with it. Then there's the, you may be consulted on it and you're not ultimately going to be a part of the final decision-making team, but you may be consulted on it. Maybe I say that. And then there's the third where sometimes you'll just receive um, the decision and then need to implement or act upon that because at that point there was enough voices around the table where your input wasn't going to, um, it wasn't what that team or that leader or whatever was looking for. Right. I think it's important that people recognize that 
any one of those three things can happen if you're not the head bitch in charge. So if you're not the one calling the shots, your name isn't the one that approves the check at the end of the day, any three of those is going to possibly be there. And not everybody has all the time in the world to come and consult you about X, Y, and Z. Because unfortunately, sometimes, this is going to sound real shitty, but sometimes your opinion doesn't matter. That doesn't mean it's not valid. Um, but some things I don't need to consult you on. Some things I'm just not going to be able to bring you in on the table because you can't handle that level of information. Um, I am getting pressure from a different you know, entity to be able to make said decision, and I need to make it fast. And slash the timing is fast, and I don't have time to like try to toy back and forth. Um, and number three, there's there's times when I don't have the time to manage your emotions around a decision that is going to impact you. Am I going to be an insensitive asshole about it? No. But sometimes that there's just not a, an ability that's uh, or an opportunity that's going to be afforded to you. So I really need people to think about decision making. And sometimes you will be included. Sometimes your voice will really matter and you'll be like right next to the head bitch at the table. And sometimes you'll just be asked to implement those. So I think the mark of an employee is to be able to realize that you're going to fall along that spectrum at any given time. And so it's your role to kind of work those things out. If you feel in a way about it, consult with the people, <laughs> consult with the people who are important to you and help you make decisions about what you're going to do and how you're going to respond to that situation or if you're going to respond all together. So there you go in decision making. All right. My Oh no, I got one more. Oh. <laughs> so, cuz this is like super fresh, like this shit this isn't real fresh. So let's just be for real about this. So, there's a lot of shit going on right now with in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is crazy cuz I was just there in May and like 2 weeks before they had like another kind of white nationalist racist clan rally. So, it was weird being there and then seeing that a little bit later and now seeing it again. Um, but this is what they're saying is this white nationalist racist groups have convened in Charlottesville, Virginia. They're saying it's about like some sort of Confederate statue that was voted by the, um, the mayor and the leadership of the city to be taken down. Cause obviously it's Confederate and it's, it represents a bunch of bullshit. So I don't know what the hype is, but anyway, so that's, that's what is kind of the, what people are saying the background of this whole thing is um, it's a bunch of white nationalist clans people without their hoods and their robes on. So it's like full face face with like tiki torches um, from home Depot. I feel like I heard that they're from home Depot, but that's beside the point. Um, and they are going around. They're basically protesting the coming down of this, but, um, and I can't remember, I think the statue is either on or adjacent to the university of Virginia campus, which is in Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. um, so, and there have been counter protesters there who are counter protesting, quote unquote, the protest that these, for the most part, all that you're seeing on the news and whatnot are white men. You haven't seen any women there, but let's not let them off the hook for that shit. Um, just because they're not there because they're probably the ones setting up shit and camp at home or booking the Airbnbs, although shout out to, major shout out to Airbnb for canceling a whole bunch of those people who had like yeah. large spaces booked there because they canceled memberships and gave people refunds and shit. And I was like, okay, Airbnb, you better come through. But anywho, so that's the premise of this. So what you see on the news is a whole bunch of white faces. And it looks like what people are saying that um, that Confederate uh, TV show that was being proposed or worked on at HBO, that's basically what it looks like. Have you seen the hashtag no confederate? Yeah. So this is apparently what it's going to look like. 
on the show. I don't know that to be true. They could just use clips from this thing. Um, but as, as of this recording, three people have died and there have been 19 people that have been injured as a result of this protest business. Some 20-year-old white kid from Ohio um, drove a car into one of the crowds and that was the first death that resulted and that's, that's the 19 other people who were injured. And I believe there have been two other people who have in, been uh, killed in this, like the last, let's say 70, 72, 42, 77, I'm sorry, 48 to 72 hours. Um, so people are literally dying from this. Um, so bitch to all of that. But I saw something on uh, social media today and it made me be like, Ugh, why are you doing this? Um, so I've seen a lot of people being like, now that Charlottesville has happened, um, we really need to come together. I'm like, this shit has been high key happening I don't know how often we just don't hear about it and doesn't get the national coverage, but this has been happening. So where were you when, like, when there was slavery? Clearly we weren't here. There's pre-civil rights movement. Um, where were you when Trayvon Martin, I'm just going to read some names through because I was thinking about this a little bit before we started. Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown, Eric Garner, Philando Castile, Ashton O'Hara, Ty Underwood, London Chanel, um, Sandra Bland, Jordan Edwards, Tamir Rice. Where were you? Um, when those things were happening and why have those things kind of gone off to the wayside and now you're like now that this is happening this shit has been happening for I don't know how long so why are we pretending all of a sudden that now we need to do something because like uh, Charlottesville perhaps one of the whitest cities in the country is like going through all this we should not be surprised and I'm I'm as much I'm there's a tension between how I'm appreciating of my white friends and colleagues like saying something about it and then i'm also frustrated because so many of the the um the people of color that i know that i interact with are like this is like sh same shit, different face like and now it's just on all of the news so i can only be so worked up about it and like focus my attention and energies on that so i'm just like the charlottesville is not this is the first time like today like this weekend in august not even in august fuck that but this is not new. And so this like, now we've got to do something. And I'm like, we've been, should be, have doing something. So like, I'm exhausted at the thought and I haven't even, I don't even have really the words, but apparently I have a lot of the words um, to kind of express the frustration. And I am looking to, to see in the next three to four days, how college campuses are going to respond, what statements are gonna come out and what are some of the actual, you know, implications for college campuses as we, you know, are supporters of free speech and what does that mean? I'm seeing, I'm wondering how this is going to erupt and how are those students that are moving in um, in the next few days, if not the next week, into the University of Virginia campus that are students of color and professionals of color, how are they going to have their needs met? So, whew. That has just been a little bit of shit that's on my mind that I haven't really had the words to say or to communicate because it's so frustrating. Yeah, I, I mean, you said it all. I have like nothing. I mean, the little I'll add in response to that is I, you know, if, if the shoe was on the other foot, the response would be very different. And I'm getting very tired of conservatives, liberals, white racists, whatever who keep saying that it's our side that's, you know, coming with the violence, it's us who's doing all of that, when 
your your folks are the one who drove a truck through uh, a lot of people. Like, you, I mean, also too, they came to that protest. Um, I think how the media is describing it is you have the um, uh, it was the main protesters and then the anti protesters. Mm-hmm. Um, and the protesters for this statue, they came with sh- like armor, and guns ablazing, basically prepared to fight. So, and you're calling us the violent ones because when we protest, it's very peaceful. We don't come in with anything, and we were there to uh, demonstrate love. Our premise is always love. Your premise is always fucking hate, right? Yeah. And um, reclaiming something that's not even yours to begin with, like this fucking archaic mentality of like uh we need to like go back to the you know whatever hundreds and you know reclaim this land that's not yours like you're fucked up twisted and like oprah said it best y'all just need to die like all (laughs) right (laughs) oprah's always coming through with the gems timeless all right, so I got a bitch and a boss, and my bitch ass uh, goes to um, this engineer, uh, former engineer at Google. <laughs> You're like engineer, former engineer, touche. Who um, wrote this memo that was really only to be circulated amongst, I think, his you know tight, you know, his team or just folks internal um, that he works works with but of course when you share things over email things can you know get out very quickly full circle and this memo was in response to so i guess google is um i guess going through this compensation study or trying to analyze their salaries because um it is very known that uh the men um, at google get paid way more than the women so Uh, HR and, you know, their team, they're trying to uh, analyze that. And so he, uh, this person wrote an article about how we, um, uh, diversity in the workplace is not uh, what we need to be looking at. Uh, We need to be looking at uh, people's genetics and uh, the skills that they bring that are innate to, um, you know, <laughs> their genetics. It's, it's, <laughs> it comes from a stance that's very white male privileged. And he's saying we need to use science and math to, you know, look at the people and see what strengths they give to an organization. Um, and it pretty much uh, puts down the work that a lot of companies are doing to try to bring diversity in the workplace. He Basically, the memo does not think that... Uh, diversity um, adds any kind of value in terms of the skills and components, uh, or sorry, skills or um, uh, assets to the organization. And so uh, this article got, you know, got out and um, it caused an uproar, of course, nationally. And this person got fired as I think he should have. And the VP of diversity of integrity and governance, Danielle Brown, issued a memo also in response to this person, basically saying that uh, we think this memo goes against all our values and ideals and just kind of restated uh, why we think diversity is important at a place <coughs> people. Um, bitch to him, of course, for having this very white privileged um, 
male view um, because obviously when you read this memo in full, it comes from that standpoint of, I feel these people are taking something away from me and I think it's about this. And it's really just in a response to protecting something that you think you're losing that you already have because it was basically just given to you Mm -hmm. Um, and very ignorant. Um, I'm also going to give a bitch to some of the response to this because I'm not surprised, but clearly there's a group of people who support in Google who support what he's saying, Mm -hmm. but they're just not speaking out. Um, And they're saying like, you know, he has a right to his opinion and um, you know, this is kind of like first amendment kind of going back to that. And, you know, Google says that they, you know, have a platform where, um, people can have opinions and state their thoughts and Google's inclusive of all, you know, all different backgrounds. But, uh, in my opinion is that when your opinion induces hate or is inducing, um, something that is trying to put the other side down, that's not what diversity and inclusion mean. Mm -hmm. On the other side, we, when we talk about inclusion, we are giving a platform for both the conservative and the liberals and for the, um, uh, the haves and the, you know, have nots or whatever the the two sides or multiple sides may be. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes (laughs) our conversations either in a place of love or in the work setting, it's about giving access to everyone. It's about, understanding that our clients or the people we're reaching out to is very diverse. And if we only have a company of uh, rich white men, our, com- our product is not going to be successful because it's, not, it's only going to touch other rich white people, right? Mm-hmm. There's proven studies of uh, having multiple people of multiple backgrounds making a product successful because they're able to see something that the other person does not. You want your company to be reflective of the people buying your product or receiving your product. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you this. uh, Yeah. It's just crazy. um, That there's so many people that have felt emboldened by the current administration and 45 and like th- let all of this become okay either the charlottesville or this engineer like feeling like of course i there's somebody who looks like that you know and who thinks like me in this really powerful position so certainly nothing is going to happen to me because oh boy's got my back you know what i mean but like the amount of people who have like taken off their hoods literally is astounding now we all knew. Well, so many of us knew that the that there are lots of hoods and closets that people don't wear on the everyday. But now people are like, "Fuck the hood! I'm just gonna be out here doing X, Y, and Z or whatever." Because mm-hmm. it's really know. mask off, Percocet. right? Molly Percocet. <laughs> okay, wow. wow. It's really everyone's having their mask off moment. So yeah. it's just. Uh, anyways, I also just quickly, I you just look at this picture of James. I can't. I don't want to anymore. (laughs) He just looks like someone who would say that. Let's just say that. Thank you. Underachiever. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave it as broad as that because I know that, yeah. 
<laughs> Underachieving <Sorry>. at best. <laughs> and um, to wrap this up, I have, and to leave us on a positive note, um, I have a boss ass bitch to, um, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, uh, Bozama St. John who was recently um, appointed the new chief brand officer for Uber. Um, uh, St. John, she's 40 years old, um, has an extensive resume um, in the field of marketing. And um, the reason why this is such a big deal is that for companies like Uber, Google, Facebook, all of these really big tech companies, she's uh, one of very few black women at that kind of C-level executive position. So it's really exciting that she can now join those ranks. And if you've been following Uber's uh, <laughs> recent uh, uh, news, they've been suffering a lot. They've been in the headlines for uh, <laughs> a lot of issues around race, sexuality, gender, um, you know, uh, clients getting beaten up, you know, mm -hmm. by Uber drivers. Um, you know, their CEO recently resigned because of some other shady things happening behind closed doors with money and whatnot. Um, so one, I was, you know, to be a black woman, one of the very few in the company to represent this organization and also to clean up that mess, like that is gonna be one journey for her. Um, and I'm sure she's aware as a black woman being the chief brand officer, she's going to have a lot of eyes on her, a lot of white men looking at her thinking uh, that she's not going to be on their side or however you want to interpret that. But mm -hmm. I appreciate the stance she's taking. I think she's going to do wonders for Uber. And I also just have to say, at the end of the day, it's always a black woman that has to clean up shit. I was always just thinking that. Who has yeah. to clean up the shit that white men do. There's and we will. That's the thing. And they will. Mm. I was trying There's not no to say it. <laughs> There's no one better who can clean up the shit. When we have the zombie apocalypse, it will be black women cleaning up the shit, you know? She'll be like, here, take this mask. Here, you want some, you want a penis, peanut butter and jelly sandwich real quick? Here, share that with old boy over there. I got lots of work to do. Yeah. So um, I'll post the link. There's a beautiful, out of all the articles on her, there's a beautiful interview by uh, Glamour Magazine mm. um, that I will post. And um, you can le learn a little bit more about her. So that's it. All right. So we will wrap up with the usual footnotes. Um, please uh, interact with us on our social media, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we're on there all the time. So post articles, post opinions, talk back with us. Uh, you can also listen to the show on SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, as well as Google Play. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, praises <laughs> you can always email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com all right peace y'all we'll see you in a couple weeks peace